Welcome to Resilience Unraveled. Hi everybody and welcome to Resilience Unraveled, a podcast that examines all aspects of personal and organisational resilience. A huge all-encompassing subject that covers the ability to thrive in life by harnessing your cognitive, emotional, physiological and contextual abilities. I share stories from people who have thrived despite remarkable obstacles, as well as highly successful practitioners and experts across a range of topics. And this podcast introduces their amazing stories and expertise, as well as my own reflections, perspectives, strategies and tips, which come from my own synthesis of themes and trends from wider learning. You can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and ebooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com. Then search for Resilience Space Unraveled. So, let's get started. Enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome back to Resilience Unraveled. Um, and today I'm talking to Karen Liebengut. Karen, did I get the pronunciation right, first of all? You did wonderfully, Russell. Thank you. I mean, I mean, I get all these exotic names, but I mean, that's a, that's a proper exotic name. It, it, it sort of tends to make me think it doesn't hail from the UK. Where, where are you originally from? Where does that name hail from? It hails from Germany. And I will actually tell you what it means. It means love well. Lieben, to love, and gut means well. Really? Is that what it means? Love well. There you go. Wow. I'm, no, I shan't. I shan't ask that question. But I shall put that down. Is as is one of my use as one of my bits of trivia for the day. That's brilliant. Thank you very much. <laughs> so tell us what it is that you do then, Karen. So I'm a coach and mindfulness teacher trainer. I offer life coaching and leadership coaching and mindfulness programs for the workplace to reduce right. stress and anxiety. And how did you get into this line of work? What's what's your story? Well, really, my own uh, suffering, I want to say, that sounds a bit dramatic, but my own mental ill health, I would say, many years ago, about 15 years ago, when I was working for a corporate company, I was heading up a team, had very little line management support, and I was really suffering from anxiety, from sleeplessness, from feeling underconfident, just overwhelmed by life. And I needed to do something about it. And a good friend of mine suggested um, to look into how to learn how to meditate. And also, I had done a bit of thinking myself and looked into coaching. And I signed up for a weekend coaching training event. And that was really the beginning of my now career and running my own business, my own uh, difficulties have led me to do something about it, be proactive, yeah. and have more agency. And so then I wanted to share it with others. Cool, and that's that's a good enough reason, isn't it? So, um, and 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 you've got three things in a sense that always strike me: one, which is the coaching; one was mindfulness, but the other one is the idea of green space as well. So, should we should we start there and talk a little bit about the green space? Because your company is called Green Space, so. Yeah, And I know you talk a lot about working outside. There's lots of evidence that talks about how the outdoors, how the colour green is good for us. But shall we always kick off there and start talking about that? How does that all work? Yeah, great. And I love the question, Russell. Um, 
why do I work in green space? Or, you know, what, what has green space nature to do with coaching and mindfulness? And it's true, these are my three areas of work, although nature, green space, is really the space in which I prefer uh, to work with my clients. Uh, and this is really also coming, uh, goes back to my childhood. I've always felt a deep connection with nature. I've always felt from a young age how different I felt when I spent a day out. And I really have to be grateful to my mother who was a nature lover and would always take us out uh, into nature on our bikes, on foot, you know, roaming around in the forest, looking at trees and plants. My mum was a full-time working single mother, so she wasn't around that much and it wasn't always easy, but what we really did together as a small family, my mum, my sister and I, was spending a lot of time in nature and it really helped us when life wasn't always that easy. So spending time in nature has always been an important part in my life and has supported my mental health um, yes. hugely. Uh, and then when I started coaching, working with clients, I wanted to bring in nature into my work so that clients could benefit from it. I think there's um, quite a, a movement towards work, walking, coaching, forest bathing, all those sorts of ideas, aren't there? And is there any, I, I mean, I can get the placebo point about Yes, being outside is good for you. Walking is good for you. So putting the two th things together is great. But is there any evidence that shows why being out in the countryside or in nature is, is good for us? Yeah, so there's loads of evidence now, a lot of research. And in some ways, and I'll talk about it a little bit, um, but what I always like to say um, is that it's not rocket science. We, we all know what it feels like when we go into our local park or even step into the back garden or step towards the window or onto the balcony. Yeah. We do feel different. And it's because we, we come from nature. We are part of nature. Nature is our place of origin. Yeah. And so whether we call ourselves a nature lover or think we have a connection to nature, it doesn't matter. We all know what it's like to be in nature. Yeah. And there has been a lot of evidence. So I've been coaching outdoors since 2010, so 11 years. And I was pretty much the only coach and mindfulness teacher taking her clients outside. And now, as you say, there are many more coaches in particular who have taken their practice outside. And I think COVID also has put nature and the benefits of nature much more on the agenda, yes. particularly around benefits for mental health. And of course, physical health. Yes. But one of the evidence um, for around the benefits of nature comes from, I mean, there are many people now, but particularly E.O. Wilson, um, who uh, coined the term biophilia hypothesis. And he did a lot of research into really what I've just said, that we have an innate um, attraction to the natural world, to the shapes and colors, uh, the more than human world. We naturally long for a deep connection with the natural world. And um, 
we, we can just go out and um, find the evidence in ourselves, I guess. And then, of yes. course, more recently, in, term, in more physiological terms, we now know that spending time in nature reduces the heart rate, it reduces the stress hormone levels, it boosts the immune system, it also um, reduces feelings of loneliness, isolation, and depression. Hmm. And it's and it's it's some, it's one of those challenges, isn't it? Even if you live in a big city, I know you're in London. I mean, you'll find that people gravitate towards the big parks, don't they? They, they uh, people highest priced property areas often are the ones with the trees running down the centre of the the avenues and the boulevards in France, for example. What, what, what can people do, though, if they live in a part of a city or a town where there is really no greenery? Is there something else that can be happening? I mean, is it as simple as buying plants, for example? Absolutely. Yeah, buying plants. So I have lots of plants. You can see one here in the back. Yeah. I've got about seven plants just in this room yeah. <laughs> and many more around the house. And then we have a tiny garden where, you know, I've planted lots of flowers. So... You can uh, sow some seeds in a window box if you have an outside windowsill or indoor plants. It brings such joy to look after plants and to have them grow and water them and repot them. But also, I've done this a lot um, during the first lockdown in particular when our big park, Victoria Park in East London, where I live and see most of my coaching clients, it was closed at the beginning because... um, people would not really adhere to the rules. So the council decided to close the park for three weeks. So I, I would walk around the block and, you know, where I live, there isn't that much greenery, if you like, there's no park as such. But I started walking around the block and looked at people's front garden, yes. you know, looked at the sky, looked at the trees in the tree, in the street. So just walking around the block connects us to nature when we can open up to the sky that's always there, when we can open up to the the ground, the earth beneath our feet, or even the plants that come out between the cracks on the pavement, which Mm. is astounding, isn't it? What grows Mm. uh, where we we think there's only concrete. No, there isn't. When we can look and see it. I mean, famously, a blade of grass can grow through a building, can't it? So it's, so it's fun. No, yes, I, I understand that. And um, I, I have seen a lot of evidence myself around this idea of um, just being in the countryside and looking at a green vista uplifts your um, mental health, your positive, your, your sense of well-being. There's been a ton of um, lowest cortisol results, exactly as you say. So it's, it's a no-brainer. And I'm guessing you coordinate or combine mindfulness with um the outside because a lot of a lot of mindfulness techniques are about stopping and looking and seeing and noticing and sensory sort of observation so actually there's more interest outside than there is in a sort of standard therapy room when you've got a picture or a wall or a chair or a good so i'm I'm guessing that that the, the there's a nice sort of symbiosis between the sort of two practices yeah Yeah, absolutely. They are two different um, practices or disciplines, if you like, coaching and mindfulness. Coaching is very much about how to get from A to B. I'm here and I want to be there and how to get there and looking at what gets in the way. So it's about change. And mindfulness has no aim as such. It's about 
awareness, becoming more aware. It's about cultivating healthy minds and hearts, I like to say. Awareness and compassion, if you like, for self and other. And they complement each other very well. And of course, when I coach people, my, my own mindfulness practice and exercises come into my coaching work, particularly outdoors, where being in nature brings us right back into the present moment. And that's where mindfulness is so helpful to help us be really here rather than in the past ruminating or in the future worrying or catastrophizing. Yes. And so what's, I mean, is mindfulness something that's a skill that can be built up? Absolutely, yeah. It's a skill. And I, I'm, I like that you mentioned this. It's a skill like any other skill, learning a language, playing an instrument, cooking, that uh, needs application, that needs practicing, coming back to. So it, it's not about, oh, I pay attention a little bit today to what I'm doing or to how I'm feeling or to someone I'm speaking to. It's, um, I, I always say it's training for the mind as physical exercise is training for the body, for the muscles. Yes. And, and I always like to say mindfulness does not just happen in the brain. It happens in the relationship um, between the brain and our environment, what's going on inside and outside. So tell me more about that. What, what, what do you mean by that? Yeah, today, the way sometimes mindfulness is talked about is as though when we practice mindfulness, it, it just happens in the brain. And of course, we now know from neuroscience that the brain can change. It's not static. Sure. It's plastic. We now, you know, in the last 15 years, that's really what's come out and what neuroscientists have found when they were doing brain scanning in people who were practicing mindfulness that the brain could change. But it doesn't just happen in the brain as such. When we practice mindfulness, it happens in the relationship between our body and brain and what's going on around us. Is so that because you're situating yourself in your environment? And that's sort of, right. If you're in the now, it's in the now. But what is the what is what else is in the now? Is that is that? Yeah, in the now, there's I, yeah, and I'm in relationship with my physical body, with my emotions, with what's going on in my mind, my mental states. Yeah, and I'm in relationship with other people because we are interconnected. There's always something going on between us and others, even when others are not there. And then we are also in relationship to our immediate environment where we are. So, so I and I get that, and um, and it's always troubled me the difference between mindfulness and self awareness. So, what's your view on that? Yeah, so mindfulness often is reduced to self awareness, but mindfulness is so much more. Mindfulness is about paying attention to what's happening inside of us what's happening in the body, emotions, mental events, what's happening between I and someone else, mm. how I relate, and how I relate to my environment. So we are not separate from all of this. Sure. 
And mindfulness is also about heartfulness. Okay. So the attitude we bring to ourselves and someone else and a situation. So we can always choose the attitude we bring to situations. Yeah. Now, whether we are open, friendly, kind, compassionate, respectful, or whether we are closed, harsh, critical. Hmm. That's a big part of mindfulness practice, bringing a non-judgmental attitude to ourselves, our own experience, to someone else. How often do we already, when we meet someone, immediately have make assumptions about yes. the person or know what's going on for them? We know nothing. We hardly know ourselves. Mm, but of course, mindfulness helps us to get to know ourselves better, our habits of thinking, behaving, feeling. But it's so much more. And mindfulness is also about understanding that our actions, whatever we do, say or think, has an effect on other people and, the, and our surroundings. Yes. So there's so a question of ethics there as well. So, so, so I get what you're saying, and um, I understand that, and I, I think I do anyway. Um, and I get the difference between, so what you're basically doing is for me is describing positive psychology or emotional intelligence there, because what you're talking about is the self-awareness, others' awareness, constitutional awareness, and then your ability to manage yourself in each other's situations, which is the definition of AI. Um, but I, I've never really seen... I've never seen mindfulness as a practice. And I know it's my problem because I know there's many people making tons of money. And if you go to a WH Smith, there's thousands of books about mindfulness all over the shelves. Yeah. Um, but I, I can't tell if it's just one, another one of those fads or if it is a thing that has, it, it, you know, it's like um, I remember an emotional intelligence being classed as something else, an, an old wine in new bottles. And I just wonder if mindfulness is the same. I just wonder if it's if it's just wearing the clothes of somebody else, and it's you know it's it's the new dummy with a new set of clothes on, or or more old wine and new bottles. And there's nothing the matter with that, is it? Because it's it's whatever works, whatever creates the connection with people in there and the way they think about and help themselves. But I just wondered if you got a view on that as well. Yeah, it's a great question, and. Mindfulness is a practice, as you said earlier. It's not an idea. And we have to experience mindfulness for ourselves. And you can't learn it by reading a book. You can gain a deeper understanding of mindfulness as you can read about yoga. But by reading a book about yoga or cooking, that doesn't mean you know how to do it. So... If there are any skepticals here amongst us right now, I would, and you have curiosity about mindfulness and getting to know your mind and heart and how you relate to self and others and the world. Explore it, experience it for yourself. That, that would be my encouragement, not even an advice. We have to come to it because we are curious enough or we have an intuition that it might help me experience my life differently and enhance my life differently. Yeah. 
And and how do you differentiate between mindfulness and say meditation? Is one a practice of the other, or are they again are they different things? Yeah, mindfulness meditation is one way of practicing meditation. I sometimes um, compare or use the metaphor of a gym, a fitness gym, where you have all the different um, machines and props to uh, exercise your body. So the the gym that's meditation, uh, the gym that's a different, yeah, that's a different um, types of meditation and mindfulness meditation would be one of the machines in the gym, if you like. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and then there is loving kindness meditation, there's just sitting meditation, there's all sorts of types that we have to practice the different muscles of the mind. Yes. Yeah, no, that's absolutely fine. And um, I like that. I like that uh, metaphor. I think that that makes a lot of sense. So if people want to know more about you, uh, Karen, what it is that you get off, get up to and, and in your loving well practice, how can people get hold of you? <laughs> yeah, so you can visit my website. That's greenspacecoaching.com. And you can also find me on LinkedIn under my first and last name Karen Liebengut and I'm always happy to have a chat with people who want to know more about my coaching and mindfulness programs so just get in touch and if it's and it's fair to say that um, as a person who's been on your website you've got some free resources as well so they're interesting things to get hold of aren't they yeah thank you Russell Um, yeah I have loads of resources that you can download as pdfs lots of practices um tips and practices, tools for day-to-day life. Yeah, and there are really some good ones. And actually, there's a, there's a super one around uh, uh, about being in nature and using the grounding technique that we yeah. often use in anxiety management. Which that's a really yeah. good one as well. So yeah. some good stuff there. Well, Karen, it's been a joy to... Whoops, it is. I just pulled mm-hmm. my headphones out. It's been a joy to spend time with us with you today. And thanks for being patient with me in around mindfulness. But I know, actually, a lot of people talk about it without being able to talk um really about what it is and so that there becomes a sort of glibness around just saying oh something that's mm. great without understanding what it's actually for and does so that's been really useful thank you yeah great it's been great to be here russell thank you thank you for spending time with us today so uh thanks karen you take care bye bye hi everybody i hope you found that episode useful and interesting Feedback is always welcomed, and if you're in the mood to subscribe to us or even leave a comment on iTunes or Stitcher, that would be amazing. If you want to suggest ideas or even people you would like me to interview, then reach out to us at qedod.com forward slash contact. As I said earlier, you can go to qedod.com forward slash podcast for show notes or follow the links. And you can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and ebooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com, then search for Resilience Unraveled. I look forward to being in your ear next time around. Take care.